You are called, friends. Whether you are 13 or 90, the, there is calling. And some of us are called to pastor, and some of us are called to elder, and some of us are called to translate the Bible, and some of us are called to do all different things. But there is the calling. Do you know that when royalty gives an instruction, the instruction is royal, not because of what the instruction is, but because of the one who gave it. I don't understand royalty, and uh, I, I deeply respect your queen that reigned here for so long, and Hards and I's favorite programs to watch are on BritBox. But whether Queen Elizabeth had said to the chauffeur, fetch the car, or to the chef, I would like scrambled eggs, or to the prime minister, can we meet at wherever they meet? It was always a royal instruction. Not because of what was asked, but because of who gave it. And friends, you and I are called of God because of the one who does the calling. One of the things that the devil wants to rob and steal is this calling. He wants to rob to muddy, to blur, to distract, to diminish, if he can annihilate this call of God that is on you. And he's been stealing calling for millennia. He knows how to do it. And I immersed myself and embraced the specific calling that was over my life. And, and then there came a point where I lost it. The drawbridge went up, to quote Tony. And I want to say this, friends, that you and I, the calling never leaves because God never changes, but we can lose it. And sometimes we lose it because of sin. I lost the calling because of sin. May I say this, friends? Sometimes it's not, if I can put this on the first person, sometimes it's not my sin that causes the calling to be stolen, but somebody else's that I'm affected by. Hides and I both lost ministry. Both of us. But Hides didn't lose it because of her sin. She lost it because of mine. Does that make sense, friends? But one of the ways we lose the calling is just the devil's tried and tested weapon of temptation. The glorious thing is that there is mercy and forgiveness. And it doesn't matter when we come to our senses like the prodigal. The calling is right there. And the promise of God is that the glory of the latter will exceed the glory of the former. 
And somehow in the mercy of God, when you and I wade through the stuff that has disqualified us, somehow, you remember what the prodigal said, if I can just go back, he says, I'm going to go back to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm not worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. He was saying, but dad, can I just live on the farm? I don't even need my bedroom back. You don't even need to treat me as a son. But if I can just have a little shack on the farm, I'll be okay. And the father interrupted him in his speech. I can imagine on the way back, he's rehearsing this thing. Father, I've sinned against heaven and against earth. I'm not worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hard servants. He doesn't get through his speech because the father interrupts him halfway through. But we need to be aware, friends. That son robs us of calling. There's another thing that robs us of calling. And that shadow shadow when you look over yourself I've done this friends the shadow of failure shadow of failure like uh, I, I know God called me but I look over my shoulder and I just see I never got it right and I tried again I never got it right and I, I just see the shadow of failure. Here's the thing, friends. In order for there to be a shadow behind you, what has to be in front of you? A light. And we lose our calling when we focus on the shadow instead of the light. We lose our sense of calling, friends, sometimes just through what I would call soul weariness. I'm just tired. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just tired. No other way to describe it. What's the difference between being a parent and a grandparent? <laughs> I'm not too sure, but my daughter would disagree with you. She would say, mm, my father has lost his knowledge. Um, no, it's the on duty. Do you know that being on duty 24-7 is quite tiring? Do you know that being a Christian, you're on duty 24-7 is quite tiring? May I take it one step further? If you're a leader in the church, you are always on duty. And I think sometimes the alwaysness, I know that's not a word, put a little hyphen in there to make you feel better. The alwaysness, the alwaysness of serving and leading and being on display non-christians can say certain things and get away with them but a christian can't say those things why because they are always on duty it can be tiring and sometimes we can lose our sense of calling because of the sheer tiredness some of us lose our calling because we stagnate. Try to keep it all S's. Friends, please hear that. Do you know that we can stagnate in this, in this sense of God has called me? I looked up 
where the word stagnate comes from, comes from the word, a Latin word, which means to settle as a pool. You get that? To settle as a pool. In other words, the river that's meant to be flowing stops flowing and it dams up. And when you and I allow, which is what happens when we pull the drawbridge up, when we pull the drawbridge up, friends, the, the air stops flowing, the water stops flowing, and instead of it becoming fresh, it dams up and becomes stale. And our sense of calling disappears. It just disappears. So I want to say a couple of things around that. Whether you are a church leader, whatever sphere you sense the call of God, even if that drawbridge has been up for so long, it's like that call is shriveled and almost dead. I'd like to say to you this morning, friends, that calling is still there. It is still there. And it is something precious. It is something divine. It is something beautiful. And it may, it may be so far away that you can't even remember what it looks like. But friends, it is still there. God has not removed it. And that call to be fruitful, that call to, to exercise the gifts of the Spirit, as our sister prayed this morning, that, that call to go out and fulfill the Great Commission, it, it's there. It might be smothered. It might be covered. It may be hidden. It may be forgotten. You may wish that it's disappeared. I mean, sometimes, friends, we, we are hoping that the call has gone. Okay? Some of us are trying to find it, but some of us don't want to find it, just in case it's there. Sorry to tell you, friends, it is still there. It is still there. It's a beautiful thing, friends. It's divine. May the sense of privilege of the call of God grip your heart again. Whether you are 13 or 90. I can't remember which proverb it is. I did remember, but I can't. It says this. Like apples of gold in settings of silver is the word at the appropriate time. Somewhere in Proverbs. Like settings of gold. Now, you know, friends... There are many descriptions of God's word. Many descriptions. His, his voice is like rushing waters. His voice is like a wind that breaks the oaks in pieces. But this little verse where it talks about the, when the word of God comes to us, it's, it's, it's like treasure, like apples of gold in settings of silver. It's, it, it's, it's like artwork. It's, it's jewelry. It's filigree. And when the word of God comes to you, when the call of God comes to you, it's, it's God's call on your life is not some random thought God had. 
It wasn't like God didn't know what to say and the last two minutes you popped up and he thought, well, let me do this with your life. Seriously, friends. It's like the, your call, the call of God on your life is the artwork of God. Ephesians 2 verse 10. For you have been saved by grace. That it's not of works, it is the gift of God. For you are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. For good works, which God prepared in advance. May I ask you this? How far in advance did God prepare this calling over your life? How far in advance, friends? It wasn't some last minute thought. Oh dear, what should I do with so and so? It's been in the heart and the mind of God before you were conceived. Acts chapter 17 says this, For he marked out, can't remember, he marked out the exact times and seasons and the place that you would live on earth. That's the call of God, friends. And it is still there. And I pray, Father, in this moment as we hear this, Lord, as, as you breathe for every man, for every woman, for every couple, for young and old, for a mother, for a father, for a housewife, for a train driver, and Father, the sense of your call is elevated again. It grips again. It's clear again. The sense of privilege. The sense of your artwork, God. Established again. Number one, the call of God is still there. Number two, Tony said, why do we draw the bridge up? Why do we do that? Protect ourselves. Protect ourselves. And I want to say this, friends. Let your heart feel again. Let your heart feel again. Haz and I have been married for 39 years next month. And at the point of, I can't remember what it was, it was 94, so we'd been married about 10 years. We, we our marriage ended. And uh, well, it didn't end legally, but it ended in every other way. And... Uh, I would, I would share that, but I don't, I don't need to go into any of the detail other than it was, it was catastrophic, it was, it was, it was horrible. Anyway, we ended up, we'd been leading a church for seven years at that time, and we ended up moving 
in in a in a in a desperate uh i want to say attempt but i think grasp is a better word to save our marriage we moved to another town and uh, started all over again in in and about a year after we moved to that other town uh and and at that stage uh we were just going through the motions you know you know you don't have to feel repentance you just have to do it please please hear that we love this word remorse don't we we want to see guys feel bad about what they did god i don't think is that concerned about how you feel i think he's more concerned about what you do Does that make sense? I I honestly I didn't feel like repenting and I didn't feel very repentant. But what I did do was I did repentance. I just did it. You with me? I, dra- I dragged myself to through repentance. I I didn't feel like repentance. Anyway, we arrived in this other town which is where we met Russ and Beebs. And that was on um 1st of January 1995. sorry 21st of january 1995 we arrived in peter maritzburg and a year later we were going th- we were trying our best but we were broken we were broken and hardy in particular I, i had committed adultery and had wanted to end our marriage hardy was properly broken anyway they invited uh, a prophet Ray Oliver who was leading the church at the time invited a prophet by the name of Eddie Trout who was a very funny guy he had a funny name and he was just his way of prophesying was through humor it was really weird Hazana the big meeting was a Thursday night and Hazana was sitting somewhere there where you are and this guy we were the first people he spoke to and he says to Hardy he says I see that you are carrying a bag on your back i see that you're carrying a load he says i see that you have a broken heart he says the devil doesn't break hearts god does the devil hardens hearts please don't argue with me on the theology of that but i've seen i've seen that work out i don't think the devil's trying to break our hearts because jesus can work with a broken heart a broken and a contrite heart you do not despise what the devil wants to do is harden our hearts and friends we we lose our calling and the drawbridge goes up and it's a safer place it's just not a fruitful place when we i'm not going to go down that road again i'm not going to put myself out there i'm not going to care i'm not going to love i'm not going to listen I'm not going to attend because when I do this is a safer place put the drawbridge up so, Does that make sense friends suck If I look at our Lord Jesus Christ and I look at the snapshots Remember Hebrews chapter 1 says uh, in the past God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways but in these last days he has spoken to us by his son the son is the radiance of God's glory the exact representation of his being 
So in other words, everything that Jesus did, everything that Jesus said, I look at that, I see it as a story, but behind it, I see that's what the Father's like. And so when Jesus says, let the little children come to me, and the disciples are saying, go away, go away, go away, you're interrupting, children should be seen and not heard, what do I see? I see the nature of God in that moment. When I see Jesus forgive a woman caught in adultery, what do I see? I see the nature of God. Jesus is the radiance of God's glory in that moment, perfectly reflected. And when I look at the life of Jesus, friends, whether it's, I mean, can you imagine on the cross? If ever there is a, a moment to lift up the drawbridge, is then. And he looks down and he sees his mother. And he calls John, how do you do this? Bleeding to death, beaten to death on a cross. John, I want you to take care of my mom. Mom, you have a new son. I mean, like, how do you, how do you begin to describe that moment? It's just that the drawbridge of Jesus never, ever went up. He never stopped feeling. Friends, let your hearts feel. Every single one of us. I was sharing with the guys in London, and I'll end now. I was sharing with the guys in London about the army that joined David in 1 Chronicles chapter 12. And it's a very interesting chapter to read if you, if you like reading an interesting chapter. <laughs> okay. But you know that David, this army comes together in David, uh, to David at a place called Ziglag. And um, it was a massive army. It was over 340,000 soldiers joined him. And the thing I love about that story is the way David greeted them. It says David went out to meet them. And he welcomed these guys in. He, he learned their names. He counted how many there were. He learned their skills. He knew that some of them were left-handed. That's pretty close. Do you know who those guys were? They were the guys that had tried to kill him. Those exact guys were Saul's army. These were the guys that chased him around for a couple of years in the desert trying to kill him. If the guys who tried to kill you were coming back to your connect group or your life group or your church, what would your attitude be? Honestly. Wide open acceptance or a little bit of hesitancy and suspicion? Just let's, let's wait and see this one out. You know, you, know, you hear people say, I just want to see where their heart is. Okay? I, I, I just want to see if they've really repented. I've heard that. I've said that. You know? Let's just, let's just wait and see if this is genuine. Okay? If anybody had reason to say, let's just wait and see if this is genuine. These guys were trying to kill me just six months ago. Let's just wait and see. We're not talking about a bad day. They tried to kill me. Let's just wait and see. But his heart stayed tender and vulnerable. Spirit of God is oil. One of the pictures of the Spirit of God is oil. What does oil do? It softens. 
It allows movement. Let me end off with this story. It's a true story. You won't think it is, but it's a true story. Many years ago, there was a house in Durban. In fact, it was on Cowie Road. Uh, and the developer, a developer company bought this property to do a development. But they weren't allowed to demolish the old house because it was a heritage. And, um, but they did get permission to move it. And so they came up with this, it was in the newspapers, this elaborate plan to move the house. And they didn't have to move it very far. They just had to move it to a corner of the property so that they could, you know how developers like to maximize the property? They want to put 100 units on here and this jolly house is in the wrong place. Let's just move it to the corner. <laughs> it's a fact. And um, they got the engineers in and they, they, put they got underneath the original foundations and they put rails, these Teflon rails, uh, to the new place. And I, I guess they figured all you have to do is, once this thing is you know, underneath the original footings, once these rails are in place, you just move it. And the newspaper was there and there was this big day, we're going to move the house. This is, I mean, this is... Clever guys have come up with this plan. I don't know whether they pushed it with a bulldozer or they tried to pull it with a, uh, a pulling thing. <laughs> okay. But they began to hear creaks and nothing moved. And some young clever guy, naturally clever, not clever through university, said, in South Africa, they've got this thing called spray and cook. I don't know if you get that here. It enables you to like fry an egg without oil. Okay, for those of you that... You know, he can... Let's get spray and cook. And the guy sent him to the shops. He came back with spray and cook. That's from like the cooking section of Tesco's. The guy climbed underneath, sprayed the rails. And they pulled. What do you think happened? The house moved. Now, I know that story is true because years later, I was with Stephen Jacks Wimble at City Hill and I told that story and a guy came up to me afterwards and said, I was the, news, the newspaper reporter that day. That's, a, that's the genuine... Guys, sometimes our drawbridges don't want to go down. They need some spray and cook. They're stuck. They're stuck. And God gives us His Holy Spirit to loosen, to lubricate, so that we can move. Does that make sense? He wants to lubricate us. Can we stand, please? Such a wonderful sense of God's presence this morning as we were worshipping was so beautiful and then Tony comes forward and shares this word about letting the drawbridge down and uh, was very vulnerable in that moment and we appreciate that Tony because it's safer to live 
to draw bridge up. And like David, who had every reason to be suspicious, I, I, I think that most of us in this room, if we've, we've, got, we've got reason to keep the drawbridge up. For some of us, it would be in our marriage. For some of us, it would be with our parents. For some of us, our workplace. For some of us, church. Got reason to put this drawbridge up. We're not going to find the life of God. And so, Father, I pray that you would just come right now by your Holy Spirit, like those guys did with the spray and cook. And just bring your spirit now, Lord. Bring your spirit now, every person in this room. And restore and put back in its place this divine calling, these apples of gold in settings of silver. The privilege. Come, Spirit of God. Come, Spirit of God. Come, Spirit of God. And friends, I, I hope you don't mind me doing this. But if you're here this morning, and, um, and, and, and honestly, you don't, you don't need to come forward because God can do everything He wants to do just where you're at. Just where you're at right now. And I pray that that's happening. But if you're here this morning and you know that your drawbridge is down and you're saying, I, I need a touch from God and I need some brothers or sisters to, to pray with me for this drawbridge. God. I want to say to you, friends, the call of God is on your life. The call of God is on you. Married couple, call of God is on you. Young, old, it is so evident on your life. It is so evident. Spirit of God, highlight that this morning. If you hear this morning, just while our eyes are closed, please, if you hear this morning, you say, I, I actually need prayer for this drawbridge. Why don't you just raise your hands, please? Just raise them up high. You're not raising them to me. Father, you see these hands that have been lifted up now. And I ask you, Spirit of God, to come. To come and to lubricate. You are the oil that lubricates. You are the... You are the flame that sets on fire. You are the, the breath and the wind that refreshes. And you are the water that cleanses. Come now, Father, in Jesus' name, by the power of your Holy Spirit, and revive this, Lord. Revive this calling. Revive this calling, Lord God. Revive this calling that your sons and your daughters may flourish, that they may be fruitful, that they may feel again, Lord God. That they may feel again, Lord God. Ezekiel chapter, I think it's 36, says this, I will take out of you a heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I ask you, Father, now by your Spirit to restore to your sons and daughters a heart that feels, a heart that is tender. A heart that weeps as you weep. A heart that listens as you listen, Lord Jesus. A heart that sees as you sees and sees as you see and feels as you feel. And is not afraid and is not hidden and does not shrink back. 
Do it again, Lord God, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Father, where love, for, where love has, has dwindled, where love for the lost has dwindled, where love for your church has dwindled, where love to lead your sheep has dwindled. Restore it again now, Father, by the power of your Spirit. In Jesus' mighty name, Lord, restore it. Restore it, Lord God. Restore it, Lord God. You said the glory of the latter will exceed the glory of the former. And may this be a decisive moment in the lives of your sons and daughters here that everything up until this point will, will be considered the former. And from this moment on will be considered the latter and the glory, the presence of God, the radiance of God will be greater than the former. In Jesus' name, Lord, come and do it, God. Come, Spirit of God. Come, Spirit of God. Come, Spirit of God. Come, Spirit of God. Friends, would you please take the call of God over your life as a treasure? Would you take it as the artwork of God? Would you take it and say, this is worth protecting. This is worth fighting for. This is worth that God should have called you. That God should have called you. And the enemy has come to rob and steal and to destroy. But God called you. God called you. Go and do it, friends. Go and do it. Go and do it with a tender heart. Go and do it with a tender heart. Let the drawbridge down. God blow. God move. God come and have your way. Oh Jesus, we worship you. Let's just end this moment and let's worship him. It was such a spirit of worship here as we began this morning. Such a spirit of worship. Come now, Lord. We worship you, Father. Son and Holy Spirit, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, God who calls us, God who gives us your Holy Spirit, God who empowers us, God who gives us second and third and fourth chances, God who says the gifts are without repentance, I will not take them back. Oh, the God who empowers, God we worship you. God who said to us, let your light shine. Let your light shine. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. It's a new day. It's a new day. Thank you, Father.